We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this is episode 17 of the Blue Hawaii podcast. I'm Ryan Little. I'm Josh Michaels. And today we have the second part of our two-part interview with Congresswoman and leading gubernatorial candidate for the state of Hawaii, Colleen Hanabusa. We met Congresswoman Hanabusa at her campaign headquarters in Kalihi on May the 6th for the grand opening of the headquarters, and she was kind enough to sit down with us for about 35 minutes. Hey, Ryan, you know what else is in Kalihi? What's that? Homebrew in Paradise. 740 Mo'ova Street, Kalihi Kai. For all your beer, cider, wine, fermented food needs, and sponsorship of your politician interviews. Homebrew in Paradise. Blue Hawaii. Blue Hawaii. This is episode 17. You know what I mean. I'm not sure I do. My favorite color is green. You're wearing a arguably green shirt. You're part of the machine. The mean machine. Wipe you down, Mr. Clean. The Blue Hawaii Podcast. Blue Hawaii. So this week, maybe a little different. Uh, not quite as much intro banter. You're not going to hear us talking about our uh, our thoughts on, on politics as much. Uh, we can give you an idea of where we think things are as of May 6, 2018, which is... We are all dead. You are listening to this either from uh, a hospital ward somewhere, from an underground bunker, from a post-apocalyptic hellscape. You know, whether you were swept away by floods on Kauai or uh, burned alive by volcanoes on the Big Island, or if... You'd probably be more melted alive. Yeah, or melted, yeah. Uh, or if the whole Kim Jong-un thing didn't quite pan out and we died in nuclear hellfire. Listeners, we're recording this on the afternoon of May 6th, right after we sat down. We're in the car. We're in the car. Uh, we just got back from the from the interview. We're recording it with our field microphone. Yes. So everything this week was recorded with field microphone. Uh, I think the quality is okay. You're probably going to be picking up a lot of the uh, ambient noise of the room. So Congresswoman Hanabusa legitimately met with us in a broom closet, yes. and uh, she we she had her volunteers clear out some clutter. We sat down three chairs. It was 655 degrees in there. But you'll hear people kind of coming in and out and some of the ambient noise of the room. That's just really how busy things are there. Yeah. And she's kind enough to take time out and sit with us. And then, you know, and just to reassure uh, all the other campaigns and candidates we're sending invites to, uh, we are very low frills. Like we have uh, practically no demands. You can you can sit us in a broom closet. You can make you can talk to us outside. Whatever it takes to earn your trust uh, to sit down with us, we're willing to play ball. We will whore ourselves out for a good interview you know uh after the whole michelle wolf sarah huckabee sanders thing a lot of people were decrying the way that access journalism fundamentally prevents us from keeping our leaders accountable and to those people we say screw it we're not journalists whatever you need we want access yeah we're just we're just two guys with a portable microphone and a desire for truth and maybe fame mostly entertainment yeah 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 and we would like to be famous too at some point we're doing it for the for the lulls, as it were. Yeah. Without further ado, here it is, part two with Congresswoman Colleen Hanabusa. Blue Hawaii. Yeah. We often hear Holly meaning white person in a negative connotation, but is a perfectly good word. It means foreign introduced to foreign origin or foreign introduction. So in Hawaiian, anyone or anything that is not native to Hawaii is Haole. I'm Leilani Poliahu, Ahui Ho. Haole. Yeah. Yeah. Holy is a perfectly good word. 
Welcome back to the Blue Hawaii Podcast. We're happy to bring you part two of our two-part interview series with Hawaii's Congresswoman Colleen Hanabusa, who is running to unseat Governor David Ige in this year's Democratic primary. Today, we're coming to you live from the Hanabusa Campaign Headquarters in Kalihi, which just opened this afternoon. Now, listeners, the reason for this follow-up is so we can dig into some of the campaign issues that you can't really talk about in a taxpayer-funded office. Uh, That's what we did last time when we chatted with the Congresswoman uh, about things having to do with policy and whatnot. So everything is fair game here, though. Congresswoman Hanabusa, welcome back to the Blue Hawaii Podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. And thanks for coming to Kalihi. We're happy to be here. Now, first question, uh, you've got to catch a flight back to D.C. We'll try and keep this moving. Now, before we ask you about how today's event went, uh, one thing that's on all of America's mind right now, and we need to get your thoughts. Did you see LeBron James' game winner last night? No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, seriously, though, how are you feeling about uh, the headquarters opening and, and the race right now? You know, it's. Uh, I feel very good about uh, the race, and the and I and the reason I feel good about the race is because of the people. You know, this. Um, as someone told me, I think one of the news stations interviewed me, and they said, "Well, how are you going to do this? You know, you're going to have to be in D.C. and you're going to have to be here. How how are you going to do both?" And I said, "You know, the amazing thing about having great volunteers and great supporters is that it can all be done." So I feel really good. This uh, just a the people who have come out and it's it's like a such a just a just a wide variety and the reason people support you comes down to almost one major issue and that's the issue of leadership and they want Hawaii to be uh, a place for their children and they just are not feeling that you know so it's a so when people are I tell people that the most difficult thing in any campaign is messaging and what is it that, that you think is going to hit at all of our hearts? And what we have been able to do in this campaign, not because of our great uh, skill set, it's just because of this is what people all uniformly want. They want to see leadership, and they want to also have a sense of hope and a future. And those are very powerful messages that the people are bringing to the campaign. Speaking of leadership... A star advertiser uh, poll has you leading 20 points, uh, and some of the sniping has started to begin. So uh, Governor Ige was getting into it with some of the state legislators who are supporting you, for instance. Um, tell us about why you're running and what you would do differently than uh, the incumbent Governor Ige. Well, you know, the I think there is a, a fundamental difference in, uh, for example, taking the criticism he has of colleagues that we both had. Matter of fact, I think he, I did not serve with uh, Senate President Ron Coucci in terms of in the Senate, uh, but David did. And I think what it tells you is that he doesn't have a healthy respect for what government is in the sense that we are three co-equal branches of government. It sounds like a civics lesson, but it really (laughs) is true. We are three co-equal branches of government. And what I think that um, he fails to realize is that, you know, they have their First Amendment rights. They have the right to say who they want to support. And and I honestly believe that if he was in that position that I was, there'd be nothing wrong with it. It's just that he's not there. So one of the statements I made earlier today uh, to the crowd is that, you know, it it really is a matter of of, uh, looking at what is it that we are what are we are all here for and what we are all here for is to serve the people and and if the legislature 
is going to come forward or the leadership of the legislature is going to come forward as they have, it's a great statement. And this legislative session that they just closed out, they did amazing things. And they did things like, you know, I don't ever remember a legislative body funding $125 million cash for Kauai mm-hmm. as they did. They didn't wait. They just did it. And then they also did, uh, you know, we've talked about affordable housing, affordable rentals. But to do $200 million immediately into the rental housing trust fund and a total housing homeless package of uh, totaling all about a half a billion dollars, that's phenomenal. You know, earlier um, Bob Nakata was here, Reverend Bob Nakata, who served with me when I first got elected in the Senate. And, and you know, they jokingly told me, they jokingly said in their press conference that they're going to call it the Bob Nakata bill because Reverend Bob, if you know anything about him, he's part of what they call FACE. And, and he gets so into it that, that they said, well, you know, he's the one telling them you need 22,000 more units. So he said, There's, we got to get started. And they put this money in. It, it's, a, it's a statement of, I think, what the, the governor is missing is that the way you move anybody is really through mutual respect and the conversation. And I think what he's failed to do is to actually speak to them or even listen to them. And that is the probably one of the greatest travesties of of his tenure. That's especially uh, inviolable as an option here in Hawaii where we are so cooperative and partnerships matter so, so much. So your comments well made. I'm, we're glad you mentioned Kauai too and the insane rains and flooding they just had. And now we're seeing uh, the eruptions on Kilauea on the Big Island. The Hawaii News Now is reporting there are now 10 active vents in the Puna neighborhood. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the challenges facing that community and the government's response and sort of what goes on in federal and state level? You know, um, it's it's uh, it's sort of ironic because in in Kauai, for example, the community that's hit is Hanalei, and I happen to have gotten to know them during my first four years in office, and a lot of it had to do with, uh, I don't know if people know this, I was saying this earlier, you know, 80% of the kalo, the taro, uh, in our islands that makes poi comes from Kauai, 60% comes from Hanalei. So, you know, it's not only the flooding, and I mean, that's bad enough, but when you think about the long-term impact it's going to have on the cultural aspects, you know, as you know, Native Hawaiians have a very strong feeling about that which is kalo. Mm-hmm. You know, it is of the body, in other words. It, is, it has very major significance. So that, to lose that, is just, uh, a, a, an, I don't know how we're going to recover. But I understood that from my prior tenure. And the way they explained it, and I've always, already spoken to the farmers, is that it was like a perfect storm because what happened is the sea level was high and when the 27 inches of rain water was trying to merge into the ocean it just couldn't because the tides were high so it just it just flooded they um the interesting thing about the volcano is that in 2014 if you remember that election it was uh, uh there were communities that could not vote because the then mayor had shut down certain of those uh, uh, 
polling places and kept open certain ones, but it turned out to be really kind of weird because a lot of them that could get to the polling place couldn't vote because of the fact that they didn't have electricity. So it was a very weird system. So we were we spent time there between the general election to the, what would then be the special election. And originally it was supposed to be by mail ballot and they changed it to in person. And I don't know why they did that because we had problems with the voting machines and so forth. But what the positive of it all is, is that we got to experience and get to know that community. So there is a, a really well-known family there called the Ka'avaloas and uh, the way people remember them is the Ka'avaloas is that story about uh, at the um, the, the back, black sand beach. It's when the Madame Pelly supposedly spared this one house with a, the lava split. That's the, Kavalo, the Ka'avaloas mm-hmm. home. So when I was in the community, um, there I guess she would be her granddaughter, was one of them who was showing me around. And she said her uncle uh, wants to give me a helicopter ride. So when I got into his helicopter, he told me, and he showed me the devastation of the tropical storms, hurricane slash tropical storm, but he said, this isn't our concern. He said, what you should be concerned about is the Pu'uo vent. And he he took me inland. And I saw it, and I said, what what does this mean? He says, you know, we're not saying anything because of the storm, but he says, this is what's going to really devastate the community. So if you remember in October, part of it broke through Mm -hmm. and buried the uh, cemetery, the Buddhist cemetery. So, and the only reason I was watching that was because the year before I had actually gone to Punahonganji and pounded mochi. So these people were very significant and important, so we kept watching it. But they also said to me that eventually what's going to happen is it's going to, if it doesn't subside, it's going to break through. Because if you can imagine this, the reason why we're not seeing the lava on the surface is there's so many lava tubes that are, and we don't know what the subterranean area is. So it's going out that way. So I think that the, um, to, you know, relationships were made. Uh, there were people that uh, we got we got to know. We we literally lived with them. One was this uh, family that, uh, and you know, Josh, you know, Rafino. I don't know if you know. Rafino. We, he, yeah, episode seven, oh, yeah. Waimanalo to Washington. Yeah. Right? So Rafino became the hero of the. Uh, Puna Baptist Church ministers. We're not uh, that is the least surprising thing you could have ever told me. So he's and this this his name is Timmy and Timmy would just always uh, uh, text me and ask me. He says, "Auntie, is Rafino ever going to come back?" Because he just loves hanging out with Rafino. So Timmy's parents are the um, Puna Baptist Church minister and and his wife and they um they were so into it that we. We collectively started uh, a thing called Puna Strong back in 2014. So they're probably going to revive that. But you know, when you you know that they are such resilient people. But what I am concerned about is that this is Madame Pele. <laughs> I mean, we have no other way but to explain it. It's not scientific, but it's Madame Pele. So she is going to take what she wants to take, there's and not really anything we can do about there's it. nothing we can do about it. But we need to have the community prepared 
and you and then you watch the community it's it's phenomenal so the church has opened itself up they told me the only thing they can't offer is showers because they don't have showers but they really do want to have it so that they can they can put um you know make it so that their parishioners can stay there or anybody can stay there so it really is going to be a community effort but i'm hoping i'm hoping that what would happen is that we will see it stop because there was one report that though it's, it seems to have stopped and merged um because there's also you know one of the areas that that um people like to visit in Puna is Kopoho and it's further 10 miles down and Kopoho is the beachfront area and we'll, we'll see what happens but you know it's it's phenomenal lava is phenomenal three things off that the first is uh it, again, it is the least surprising thing that Rufino Magliba would be anybody's hero. That guy is the best. Um, second thing, I love in your story how when you got the, you said he offered me a helicopter ride. And so we were in the helicopter. <laughs> there's no there's no considerations like, yeah, of course I'm going to ride in your helicopter. Um, and then third, I'm, I'm really glad we're talking about the big island because one of the things that we've been hearing from our listeners is, you know, you guys only talk about Oahu stuff. We want to hear more about the neighbor islands. So um, on that note, We'd like to get your thoughts on the future of Mauna Kea and the 30-meter telescope. You know, I think that that's two very distinct questions. I think that the problem with Mauna Kea, and I have been very vocal about it, the problem with Mauna Kea and uh, the, the telescope issue is really, I think, the inability of the University of Hawaii to have done a good job. It's, it's, and it's separate and apart from whether Mauna Kea is, uh, you know, so sacred that the, that the Native people will not share it. I mean, you know, those are two very distinct questions. And I think that um, there is a way to come to a level of compromise with, with everyone. And, and for me, and some know that, like, for example, the, the attorney for the protectors, uh, uh, who is a good friend of mine, he... He heard me say this. You know, when I was uh, Senate president in 2010, we, as you, if you remember, the economy was tanking. So at that time, we were looking at three what we called shovel-ready. Well, it was actually two shovel-ready projects because we wanted to kickstart the economy. So the only entity that had shovel-ready products, I mean projects, was the University of Hawaii. And Marcy Greenwood, Josh, you probably remember Marcy. Marcy came in as president in 2010, well, 20, 2009, but 2010. And one of the things she was tasked with doing was TMT. So she came to see me and said, I need for you, me, to um, help her fund the College of Hawaiian Language at uh, UH, um, uh, basically Hilo. So I told her, Marcy, we've got two CIP projects because our economy was doing great that we're going to kickstart. I said, one is a no-brainer, and that's we're going, to, we're going to do cancer research because we need these things to happen in two years. I said, the other project is something that's very dear to me, and I said, and one that, you know, we managed to uh, hold off on certain things with, and I said that we would get it funded so it can start, and that was UH West Oahu. Mm. Because UH West Oahu, I don't know if you know anything about the statistics surrounding it, but UH West Oahu has like 26.4% Native Hawaiian. I had 40, no idea. Yeah, 14% uh, Filipino. And it's probably the, the largest online enterprise that we have. 
So it's it's a uh, it's really a and and Maglipa is a yeah. graduate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Rafina Maglipa, proud alum. Pr- yeah. Uh, as well as Ashley Loa, a uh, friend of the show yeah. from episode four, who just graduated yesterday. Shout out Ashley Loa. Yeah, so, so you know, I said, we got to build UH West Oahu because it's for the community and it's serving the people that, I said, that, that have really been underserved. So uh, Marcy Greenwood said, uh, no, I need UH Hilo's College of Hawaiian Language because the people believe, and she was talking about Native Hawaiians, believe that the promises that have been made to them about what they would, what the university would do for support of TMT were just not kept. So she said it wasn't necessarily a deal, but it was, a, in her mind, it was she needed something for credibility to start the process going. So I said, well, I, but I told her, I said, you know, Marcy, UH, uh, I can understand the desire for College of Hawaiian Language, but, you know, you don't really have a dorm system there. So you're going to have a situation at some point where you're not going to have bodies. But she says, no, this is what the community wants. So she wanted to deliver it. So the end of that story is we ended up funding three, three projects, including that. So UH West Oahu came up in two years. Cancer Research came up in 18 years, 18 months. Remember, it was just something that we needed to kickstart. And the College of Hawaiian Language took four years because they just bent over and, and did whatever they needed to do. And then we also passed an interesting law. What we did was we suspended the injunctive part of procurement challenges. Mm. Not that you cannot challenge. We just didn't allow the injunctive action. And, we, and I told Marcy, the reason is it will be nonsensical mm-hmm. if we didn't do that because we wouldn't be able to kickstart the economy. I said, however, if you mess up on procurement, you pay. Don't come to the legislature. We're not bailing you out. You pay. So what, you know, went through, not a problem. And, and the reason why that was significant is uh, Windward College was, the library was being stalled because of a $10,000 lock challenge. So it wasn't being, you know, it was just stalled. And I said, we cannot have that. So that's, so to me, TMT, what I did not like or did not appreciate was a sense like we, the state, did nothing, you know, for this. And in actuality, it was my understanding that we were going and we were funding an enterprise that was of significance to the community. I think that the polls recently are correct in that I think that the population of the Big Island supports it. And I do believe that probably uh, a significant number of Native Hawaiians are supporting it. But the reason why we have the issue is because of the fact that the UH, in my opinion, just didn't do, do it correctly. And part of doing it correctly would have been really the taking down of the telescope. So we went up there. Um, and we went up to see Keck and Canada, France, or whatever the other ones were. And, and the reason why is because we wanted to get a visual as to where TMT is going and what is the burden on the mountain. And, you know, and I think the m- most important part of it all is keeping their word and making sure that if it's not being used, take it down. And, you know, the decision as to whether it would be on 
one face of the mountain or whether it would have more than that in terms of uh, where it would be placed. And I think that, that whether TMT gets built, back to the original question, whether TMT gets built is one question. The use of Mauna Kea is a separate question. And I think that whether we're, we'll be able to get to some point with the TMT, um, uh, then, then it can probably proceed. But I, I also don't believe that unless the community at any point fails to buy in, even if it's a small number, and even if the Supreme Court rules that TMT can proceed, we're going to have a, a problem with how the how they actually do TMT. But in the future, I would like to think that at the very minimum, we, the state and the, the University of Hawaii, has learned from this experience so that in the name of science and that we can continue to, because we are the best place for it, so we can continue to do that. But that's why I said the question is really two separate questions. In addition to TMT, there's another three-letter acronym that's always a source of controversy on the Big Island, PTA, the Pohakaloa mm-hmm. Training Area. Mm-hmm. Uh, as governor, what would your plans be for PTA? You know, I think that the um, the Pohakaloa Training Facility, you know, and the, and the the issue is always UXOs, right? And and what kind of UXOs are there? So for, for listeners, that's unexploded ordnance, uh, basically whatever's left over whenever the military clears out. Pohakaloa Training Area is basically a military firing range where they're shooting bombs and all sorts of other artillery shells, if I understand correctly. Eighty percent, eighty percent is owned outright by the military. Uh, the rest, the twenty percent, uh, rest of it is leased from the state of Hawaii, and that lease is coming up for renewal soon. So that's part of why it's back in the news. So sorry, back to the original question. You know, it's 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 also like it's the whole issue of TMT, which is you know what is it, and you know there's a court case uh, that's pending, and. F- it's interesting because the court case is not against the military. The court case is against the state of Hawaii, Department of Land and Natural Resources, which leased it on the premise that they weren't good stewards. So does, is there a common thread to all of this? You know, that they weren't good stewards. So, and, and that's why the challenge. So I think that it's just like TMT. You know, it's a matter that we're going to have to to look at it and, and analyze it and see what it, they need because you know when they started PTA uh, and even Makua on this island the, the question how they quote unquote fought wars then is very different from how they fought wars now it's like I tell people we are not going to have a war like saving Private Ryan ever again and but that's when you think about it that was a lot of how they trained now there's a lot more simulation and uh, and that kind of you know what I call it the Xbox generation, but but the problem the problem is that what everyone tells me and I don't know because I've never served but what everyone tells me is that you are never prepared for the sound of live fire, so even if it was simulated or whatever, it's that sound of live fire and being accustomed to that sound that will save a person's life. And, of course, we don't ever want to be in a position where we are fighting a war of any kind. But notwithstanding, you know, it's it's that same kind of issue. The higher issue being, did the state do what it was supposed to do? And if they haven't done it, then what is it going to take? Because just for the economic base of Hawaii, I mean, the state of Hawaii, you know, we cannot have 
uh, the military in any way, in my opinion, not be a part of our future. The question, though, is what role they will play and what kind of needs they will have. Everyone will tell you the two things that, that threatens Hawaii's future with the military. One is the cost of energy, and the second is training, because you need to train. You cannot send the men and women in uniform off without proper training. So those are critical components, and we as a state have got to come to grips with that or decide if we don't want to or we face such major resistance that we can't work around it and, and figure out a way to to assuage people's fears, we are going to end up um, having to find another source of economic stability for ourselves. Changing topics a little bit. Uh, Shopo, our police union, is endorsing you. Uh, we just had a great conversation in episode 15 with UH law professor Ken Lawson about some of the challenges and scandals they're facing. Uh, yes, listeners, that was a shameless plug. What are your thoughts on what needs to be done uh, to change in the department? You know, there's, um, and, and the unfortunate part about it is that there's two levels, right? When you talk about the, when you talk about Shopo, Shopo is a union. Right? So the police officers are members of the union. But what you really are talking about is management or leadership of the, of the police department. And that's a different level altogether. So structurally, the charter has uh, a police commission that is supposed to oversee uh, the runnings of the police department. And, and, and if you step back and you look at why they did that, they did that because they wanted to keep the politics out of the, the you know, whether it's fire or police. And then, and then like the Board of Education, after a while, you begin to wonder, why, why did we do that? <laughs> you know, are, are they really supposed to do what they're supposed to do? Because, you know, the police commission and the fire commission, they don't get paid. They're, they're, they're not, it's, all, it's almost become political appointments, right? And then you put a political appointee there who's supposed to oversee a major component of what we need to ensure is, is part of how our, our, uh, our wealth, basically health, safety, and welfare is done. We've got a, we've got a problem. So I think that the, um, the issue is one when you do not have the major oversight over an entity because it's a commission versus, you know, is, should, should it be, for example, the mayor? But, you know, those are questions they've got to deal with. But when you, when you come down to it, it comes down to how do we best do that analysis and what is the best way to hold accountability and transparency? And we all think initially, of course, it's by way of a citizen-run commission. But then you begin to wonder, is that really the way? So I think that whole issue, and I'm the, I, I'd be curious to hear what the UH professor has to say on it. Well, you can find it on episode 15 of the Blue Hawaii podcast, now available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. And, and I don't know whether, whether it's, it's a matter of uh, that he's, he's looking at it structurally in that sense, because it really is a structural problem. It is a matter of how they laid out the whole issue of the control and the command. And, and, and if you're, your overseer is, is uh, not overseeing it properly, then whoever is in the position to basically make the decisions 
is going to do whatever they want. And that's where I think you have the issues of the abuse and so forth. But this abuse of has, we've had allegations of that going everywhere, right? I mean, you know, the whole Rodney King thing, <laughs> not here, but, you know, it's all this thing about abuse of power. And, and, and the, the question is whether it's unchecked. I think that's structurally the problem, and that's what's got to be addressed. This episode of the Blue Hawaii Podcast is brought to you by Homebrew in Paradise. Homebrew in Paradise. For all your homebrew needs, whether beer, wine, cider, fermented food. If you like kimchi coladas. Get on down to Homebrew in Paradise, 740 Moava Street in Kalihikai. And getting caught in the rain. Congresswoman, we're, I know we're running low on time, and we wanted to see if we can get just some rapid-fire listener questions, and these are the ones that everybody really wanted to ask. Um, several listeners have asked some variation of this question. Um, you said Doug Chin should resign from the AG's position to run for your seat, but you decided to stay in office while running for the governorship. Isn't that a little hypocritical? No. Uh, and to your listeners who feel that way, the reason I said Doug Chin should resign is because of the nature of the position of the Attorney General of the State of Hawaii. He's the chief law enforcement officer. It goes back to the issue of separation of power of the branches of government. He doesn't just serve a governor. So it's not just going to the governor and saying, hey, hey, buddy, can I run? It's not that. He serves the legislature. He serves the judiciary. He is the, the, the attorney for the state of Hawaii. That's the problem. And that's why he said he should resign. But when he ran as, a, as lieutenant governor, that's fine because he's not the chief law enforcement officer for the state. Uh, Sarah Turgeon wants to know, what would you do to support and improve public education and not just increasing funding, throwing money at this problem won't do anything? What she should do is she should look at uh, what I I feel that the problem with education is it isn't one size fits all. I had probably two of the toughest schools in terms of um, how to address public education because I represented the YNI Coast. And I think that what's necessary is a structure similar to what YNI High School has, which is the, it's just the academy system. Really, uh, it's designed after what John Hopkins did in the inner school of Baltimore, Maryland, and you know the success of, for example, the Sea Rider Productions, which is something that I was a part of from the inception, is is an example. It is the issue of how do you get pride and hope into the students because unless you get that you're really not going to be able to to get to the future because it really is the future it's not just getting kids to graduation it's getting kids to the point of seeing that there is a future in Hawaii and whether it's additional education or being trained for whatever they may do in high school those are the things that we have to ask and then that's why I agree it's not just throwing money at the problem it really is you need somebody with a vision who can then look at each school, literally each school, each area. What are the strengths of that area? So Nana Cooley, for example, is performing arts. We have the most successful charter school in Nana Cooley, and that's Kawai Hona. Kawai Hona, when the AYP program for No Child Left Behind, that's why annual, annual yearly progress, the only school in that whole side of the island including the expensive kapolei and everything else, was Kavaihona, who hit AYP. That's what you need. You need that kind of a, a, to me, a vision and a sense of what works. 
and what what makes the kids want to learn that's the bottom line if you got to get to them and make them want to learn and a lot of it is the teachers so to a certain extent it is a matter of of understanding what is it that the teachers need and want people say you know they don't want to go into the rural areas why is Kavaihona successful right what about what about sea wider productions why is that so successful it's the teachers so this is relevant, giving everything happening on Kauai and the Big Island. Um, would you bring back the Super Fairy? Technically, I did, <laughs> to a certain extent. And that was, um, what people don't know is Super Fairy was uh, funded through not only private investments, but also through MARAD, which is the Maritime Administration, part of the Department of Transportation. Uh, the, the Basically, the federal one. So what happened when Super Fairy went down is MARAD um, basically foreclosed on the differential. So believe it or not, uh, it costs, MARAD lost basically $135 million or something along those lines, but then sold the two super ferries to the Navy for $35 million. So we have one super ferry in um, Okinawa. The other one was in Dry Dock. So in the 2014 the 2014 NDAA, we had a part of it dealing primarily with the pivot to Asia Pacific. So in the interest of that and the role Hawaii was going to play, we had a provision in there for a joint high-speed ferry system, another way of talking about super ferry. So it was actually authorized. And the idea, and it was a function of, of, of realizing that if we had it here, and, you know, like I said, we had the Puna incident there, and that was, of course, with, the, with all the hurricane, potential hurricane. And, the, uh, and also, it was really with the, the lava flow. Was, you know, what if they were talking about, should we go in and dig out Crater Road and uh, the chain of Crater Roads and all of that? But if we had the super ferry, the super ferry could go into that community and, uh, and basically... Kaupana side, pick them up and take them into Hilo. A lot better than anything else. So the short of it is, yeah, you know, <laughs> I because think about it. What was it that caused the issue on the EIS? It was the it was the barge, the expenditure of the forty million dollar barge, but the super ferries were retrofitted so that it had a wrap. And you know, people say, well, maybe they should do an EIS for that. You know, Pesha. Pesha's um, new, then, then relatively new uh, the cargo ships are also with a wrap, and they didn't have to do an EIS. So, you know, it's a, it's a matter of what is good for the people, and I think that, that it would have been a, a real asset had we had them here at that point in time and if we were able to bring them. But the main thing was to transport troops from Oahu, where they all are, to PTA and how would you do that and my idea was okay we house super ferry and Kalailoa load them up take them out and I don't have the one million dollar mobilization cost either way okay uh, last question um, after everything that happened back in January with the missile alert a big issue in this race is going to be the next governor's Twitter skills or lack thereof <laughs> Can you show us, uh, and we can, once this interview is power, we can do it. Um, can you show us how to log into your Twitter account, and will you tweet a selfie with us? Oh, I'll, I'll tweet a selfie with you. My, my, my Twitter account is actually already logged in. It has an icon, so I just, I just push on the icon, 
and that's how we do it. That's what they mean by disaster preparedness. And then I, one bonus question, uh, least favorite member of the Trump cabinet whose last name starts with Z. <laughs> Zinky! Actually, I think my least favorite is Betsy DeVos. Uh, that makes four of us, I think. All right, everybody, uh, Congresswoman, thank you so much for sitting down with us. This was a huge pleasure. Listeners, if you like what you heard, we're sending invites to all the gubernatorial candidates and all the other folks we think you might want to hear from during this election season. So please, please, please stay tuned. Ladies and gentlemen, Congresswoman Colleen Hanabusa, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you all. Blue Hawaii. Blue Hawaii. This special interview with Congresswoman Colleen Hanabusa is brought to you in part by... Royal Thai Garden, home of the Hot Noodle Challenge. The Hot Noodle Challenge. Come watch us, two white guys with an average tolerance for spice, eat the hottest noodles known to mankind at Royal Thai Garden. In Thai, howlies are called farong. And if this is farong, I don't want to be for right. Royal Thai Garden, Eva Beach. 96706. Shout outs. Let's do them. We are still in the car. Nothing's changed. We are creating the illusion of time having passed, of us still being there. But we're, we're sitting in Josh's parking spot, uh, watching his neighbor try to park their Range Rover and uh, almost hit the wall. That, uh, listeners, that is no reflection on the quality of neighborhood that I live in. Uh, I believe this person has decided, well... Let's let's back up. There's in economics. There's something known as a Veblen good, and uh, I forget the guy's first name. But Thorstein. Thor. The uh, the economist who coined this. Economist and sociologist. And sociologist coined it. Uh, basically, Ryan can summarize this a lot more eloquently than I can. There's a certain phenomenon. Conspicuous consumption, I believe, is what yeah. you're getting at. Basically, uh, this makes no economic goddamn sense for me to live in like a tiny ass apartment in Kapahulu. But fuck it, I want a Range Rover. You know. That just leads right into our first shout out, which is shout out Ashley Loa, who her shout out we cut from episode four originally. Uh, she first shouted out the entire field of economics. So uh, shout out again, the entire field of economics. And then more specifically, shout out Ashley Loa, Blue Hawaii podcast alum, friend of the show. Favorite, best friend of the show. Episode four, Homelessness in Paradise. Ashley Loa with two children, with a husband, uh, while losing a beloved family member all during the course of the last few years, has worked her way through UH, West Oahu. Let's go out. What is their mascot? Napueo. Go owls. Are they Are they, they different? Yeah. I would just call them Western rainbows. Western. All banter aside, shout out Ashley Loa, who with two kids and a husband and all the travails of life has worked her way through college UH West Oahu got herself a bachelor's degree in business. Uh, a person business, my business. Oh. A person who has shown herself to be a hard worker, a great friend, and an awesome social media person. And she's doing phenomenal work for her community here. So shout out Ashley. She's a better person than we are. And any other shout outs? So I want to give a shout out to uh, our brand new theme song, which you're hearing, which you've probably heard over the past couple weeks. Uh, and just God of Sound, our engineer our, and partner, our partner, uh, our best friend in the whole wide world, Joshua Taylor. T. Joshua Taylor Cox. Yeah. Also, Taylor Cox is like a 100% porn star name. That was my porn star name, Taylor Cox. Yeah. I thought you looked familiar. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Josh does all of our editing. He does all of our mixing. 
he creates anything that's original or creative. So Josh, uh, we don't know if you'll do it. You probably won't actually do this, but punch in right here. Say hello to the folks at home. Hello. Tell them about yourself. I went to Prattmore High God, School. we just want to hear your beautiful voice. It's, it's he does fair. have a nice voice. It's only fair. Thank you. He's going to be like, hello. Hey, what's up? Also, shout out to... Our real, our real super fan. Our biggest fan, yeah. who I don't think has ever, ever listened to an episode of this podcast, but, but is so active with us on Twitter. Yeah. Shout out to... Go UK, Big Blue, Auntie Donagan, talking to us every morning. And afternoon. And afternoon. And evening. Day and night from Kentucky. So we've got a far reach. The Blue Hawaii, the Blue Kentucky podcast. Uh, you know, we're getting ready to plan our mainland tour. That's uh, at Donagan4. If you want to ho- holler at her on Twitter, that's D-O-N-N-A-G-A-N-N number four. Go say hello to her. Um, give her an aloha. Give her a big aloha, especially on Friday. She loves an aloha Friday shout out. Um, God, what a nice woman. She's so nice. She yeah. always likes talking about stuff with us. And 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 not afraid to jump in when we uh, are piling on on a certain orange president. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Here is the last shout out that I've got. Maybe you've got some more. Maybe I'm lying. Maybe I've got more. I don't know. I think I'm, 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 I'm good. So I want to give a shout out to all of our listeners and also not me fuck them <laughs> also issue a challenge we're not much for challenges we don't really like to do that sort of thing but we are going to challenge all of our listeners uh there's several hundred of you guys at this point to review us on itunes google play uh stitcher wherever you get your podcasts leave us a review and uh is that shameless self-promotion a little bit, yeah. But the reason we're doing it, we're trying to grow our audience. We cannot do that without you. And the number one way to push us higher in search rankings is to have more reviews. So at this point, we don't have a ton. Probably me is two of them on different accounts. Uh, that may or may not be true. It is true. And uh, we just really need you guys to review us. So uh, if you wouldn't mind, stop by. Just say like, it's great or it's good. Or just tell, tell us what you like about it. Leave us a review. It really, really helps. We're looking for interns. So if you know any, uh, if you've got any friends who are uh, broke-ass college kids looking for media experience, or if you yourself are a broke-ass college kid looking for media experience, um, we're totally open to customizing your internship however you want. Uh, we'll share our life lessons. We'll help you avoid uh, going to law school and become crippling a student debt. Yeah, we'll, we'll basically we'll at least help you with the law school portion. We'll at, least, we'll at least help talk you out of law school, which in and of itself is worth something. But the good thing is, if you do interview with us, yeah. on top of knowing a lot of people, we also we'll buy you lunch. We'll buy you lunch. Well, we will also write you the most sterling yeah. letter. No, like crazy requirements here. We just ask that you know, if you say you're gonna do something, do it. And yeah. other than that, just enjoy yourself have a good time Reduc- uh, requirements would include i don't know being like fairly passable at social media and maybe having like a nice cell phone camera to follow us around and film stuff that sounds like stuff that would be required yeah, yeah. um but again yeah and we'll buy you lunch and maybe if you're of uh if you're of legal drinking age we'll buy you some beer too we can buy you beer yeah well well i mean only if they're legal drinking age restaurant shout out give me something what do you like uh, you know what um we shout out shaloha yet no yeah well uh, we had shaloha we, we aloha to goad shaloha. It was the laziest, most indulgent thing I've ever done, and I regret nothing. On Wailai Avenue, just across from St. Louis High School, 
Uh, it was opened by this Israeli guy, so it's like it's the real deal, authentic hummus, schnitzel, falafel, Peter apps, um, bang, 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 all the best Middle Eastern food. Just eat it. Get everything. What do you get? Uh, I get the either the falafel sandwich or the schnitzel sandwich. Both are tremendous. Yeah, and you get a whole bunch of like uh, red cabbage on the side, throw it on top. What kind of price range are we looking at? That's a good question. It's kind of a do your make like create your own adventure. I feel yeah. like at Shaloha. It can I, I'd say ten bucks, ten bucks for lunch, ten to fifteen bucks. I feel like I'm always out of there at like thirty bucks a person, but uh, but I think I maybe go overboard. Okay, if you let's say if you if you don't go overboard, which I would recommend you go overboard because I go overboard every time as well, and it's a, I think it was something like I think when we, we for two people it was like fifty bucks to go all out. And plus the delivery charge for Aloha to go. So your mileage may vary. Uh, my shout out this week is going to be for Ahi Assassins. It is across from the Longs on Baratania. Uh, that'd be the, but it's the Longs in Mo'ili'ili. So it's the like University, Baratania, King Street like split. It's just Mauka of Longs in a little U-shaped shopping center. They have been on a ton of travel shows and a ton of different like top 10 poke lists i went there last weekend and got two poke bowls i got the i think it's the lunatic is one of them and then i got the other one was i don't remember what the other one was but they're both tremendous uh, that's very disturbing as mental health in this country is in a dire situation and that's no laughing matter i'll tell you what's also in a dire situation is my hunger for poke and so i got the lunatic bowl and it was amazing and uh it's upstairs above like frost city if you know where that is tremendous pretty good value frost city bitch frost frost city bitch i was thinking that too yeah uh and frost city is not the name of a drug den although it should be if you're selling cocaine rebrand is frost city that's it that's all our shout outs for this week you guys stay safe and if you're listening to this from a post-apocalyptic hellscape we're sorry the hounds will arrive in 20 minutes blue hawaii blue hawaii, blue hawaii. Blue hawaii.